you and your your man are playing out the same dynamics that he had with his mom. And so that's why you're oftentimes feeling like I'm his mom. <laughs> it's like, yes, you are. And so you have to actually be different than the way his mom was. You wanted someone who was going to take control and take charge. But now you've got a man who you started out with, who you loved, who had some semblance of self-esteem and self-worth, but certainly needed to build upon it and work on it. And now he has no self-esteem because he had outsourced his self-approval to you as the woman he loves which worked out really well in the first few months. And now he's living in his own personal hell where he doesn't feel like he can do anything right. Everything he does, he feel like he's criticized. Where your man becomes, for all practical purposes, completely uh, demasculated, completely neutered. Where now he's an order taker and you don't want an order taker. Welcome to A Changed Mind, a journey into the topics that matter to you most. From the neuroscience and spirituality of mindset and personal growth to groundbreaking strategies for health, wealth, and relationships, to open and honest conversations about pressing global issues such as the environment, censorship, corporate capture, and democracy. Each and every episode reminds us of the certainty of the goodness of the future and provides the teachings, tools, and timeless wisdom inspiring you to create real lasting change in your life and in the world. If you've been desiring a sanctuary for your spirit, a place to go to tune out the distraction, negativity, and doom and gloom so that you can tap into the deep power, the vibrancy, and the potential you have inside, you're in the right place. Welcome to A Changed Mind. Hey, it's David. Just a quick interruption to your normally scheduled podcast. I've got an incredible opportunity for you. Big announcement that my book is now live on Amazon, A Changed Mind. Go beyond self-awareness, rewire your brain, and re-engineer your reality. If you've been wanting to take your personal growth to the next level, maybe you've done the self-help thing, but you're still feeling more stress or overwhelm or anxiety in your life. Maybe you've gotten to the next level of financial security or growth in your relationships or health or your business, but you've hit a new ceiling and you're really wanting to understand how to identify the resistance that is still inside of you that's shaping your experience of life and to let it all go and transform it so that you can truly feel free emotionally, spiritually, financially, and achieve your full potential, you've got to check out this book. I spent the last 18 months pouring all of the teachings, philosophies, tools, even processes that I've never taught before that have helped me go from a life where I was literally struggling to survive to a life now that I love in a system that lets me materialize the vision I have for my business, my family, my world, without the hustle and grind and putting my spiritual growth and well-being first. So if you've been wanting a treasure map to the emotional and material promised land that life has waiting for you, take a minute to jump on over to Amazon, grab yourself a copy of A Changed Mind, or better yet, grab a couple of copies and give them as gifts to your loved ones The feedback is already coming in. People are saying this is one of the most practical and powerful personal development books they've ever read, and I get it because everything that's in this book is exactly what I went through, what I learned, and what I used to change my mind. Check it, grab yourself a copy, and now on to your regularly scheduled podcast episode. 
Hey, it's David. Welcome back to A Changed Mind, a sanctuary for your spirit, a place where each and every episode I will remind you of the certainty of the goodness of the future. I'm your friend, your host, your guide, David Bayer, and I'm excited for this episode. This episode is going to be part one of a two-part episode where I'm going to be talking about relationships and how they break down, why they break down, and what you can do to fix it. And in particular, in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about when your man is not showing up as a man anymore and what you ladies are actually doing to contribute to that fact. Now, this is not a blame. This is just an understanding of interpersonal dynamics and relationships and what happens over time. Because if you can become aware to what you're doing that is preventing your man from being the man that you want, then you can actually help facilitate the elevation of him into this manly king man, the protector, the provider. Because every woman wants a provider in a relationship. They want a protector. They want certainty. They want safety. They want security. And they want to get that from their man. You want to feel like you can just relax, that your man will be able to take care of things. That doesn't mean that you don't contribute to the relationship, but you want to be the queen and you want him to be the king, right? You want to be the princess and you want him to be the prince. You want a man who is decisive, who is bold, who's confident in himself, who feels and understands his own self-worth. And when a man can do that, then he's got the capacity to extend his love and extend his, his certainty and his security and to be able to help outwardly, right? When a man doesn't feel secure about himself, he's stuck in his head, he's stuck in indecision, and it's an unattractive thing. No woman wants that. But unfortunately, many women, perhaps you, if you're still listening to this episode, have found that their man is not showing up as the man that they would like them to be. And so over the next few minutes, I'm going to explain to you why that is and what you can do to help alleviate it. And there's a flip side of this conversation, right? Which is what a man needs to do in order to reclaim his own self-confidence and reclaim his own boldness and to be the protector and the provider within the dynamic of the relationship. And I'll be doing that as a part two episode. But ladies, this one is for you. So there are three types of men. The first type of man is the protector, the provider, the man who is secure in himself, the man that all men or good men at least are aspiring to be and the type of man that a woman wants. Now, this manly man comes in all different shapes and sizes. I'm not talking about being a big muscular man. I'm not talking about being a rich man. I'm not talking about necessarily being bold in terms of expressive and extroverted I've got a lot of different friends. Some of them are very, very quiet, really good men who are man's men who, if stuff hit the fan, their woman knows that their man has it handled. And they're always looking out to see how they can make life easier for their woman. Now, unfortunately, this type of man is few and far between, and we're going to get into exactly why that is. And there's a second type of man. And the second type of man resembles this first type of man, except it's really a chameleon. It is the man who seems gruff and rough, the man who is the bad boy, the man who's self-confident, but he's self-confident out of his own personal insecurities. And this is the man that hurts other women. And so women oftentimes mistake the second type of man for the true, authentic, good provider man. And they get in relationships, they open themselves up and end up getting hurt. And unfortunately, this creates a problem when a good man actually comes around because now you as a woman have hardened because you've been hurt, because you've been wounded, because you finally opened yourself up and it didn't work out. And so now a good man comes along and there are some trust issues that need to be worked through in order for you to open up again. And then there's the third type of man. 
The third type of man didn't have a great role model in terms of how to be bold and be confident, probably experienced a lot of wounding in his childhood, limiting beliefs, was meant to feel like he wasn't good enough, had an overbearing mother or a critical father, but it's a good man. And there's a high probability that this is the man that you're with, but he's not showing up as a man in your relationship. And so I'm going to talk to you about why that is and what you can do to actually help support his personal sovereignty to help support him being able to reclaim that confidence within himself. And you may be at a point in your relationship right now where you're feeling really, really frustrated. I remember a woman spoke up at one of my events and she said, you know, I love my husband. We met, but he's not proactive in our relationship. He doesn't help out with things. He's in his head a lot. He doesn't seem to care. I'm over here doing all of these things. I'm taking care of the household. I'm taking care of the bills. I'm taking care of our children. I'm basically organizing our entire life. And I feel like I not only have the three children that I have, but I have a man baby who's not capable of taking care of himself. And inevitably, I ask the same question, which is, well, what was he like before you met? And the answer is very revealing because each and every time, the man more or less had his shit together. And so somewhere along the way, he got lost. And I want to map out for you the six steps that occur within a relationship dynamic that cause a man to lose his manliness. And so step one is when you first met. <laughs> and when you first met, being a good woman wanted to take care of your man. And so there were a lot of different ways you may have done that. You may have started to cook meals for your man. You may have started to pick out certain clothes when you were at the mall that you liked on your man. And he liked that too because it felt good and he wanted to make you happy. That may have evolved into actually suggesting what your husband or your partner, your man, should wear out of his closet. It may have evolved into you doing the laundry and you folding the clothes and you putting them away. I want you to think about right now what that looks like in your relationship. What are the things that you started doing? And I want you to realize that all of these things that you started doing he was doing before you met. Now, he may not have been doing them in the same way. He was doing them in his way. But your man survived up until the time that you met. So he was able to cook for himself. He was able to buy food for himself. He was able to go to the grocery store. He was able to get his car cleaned. He was able to organize his household. Sure, his shoes may have been by the sofa rather than, quote unquote, where they're supposed to be. Sure, he may have had some clothes folded over his favorite chair until the pile got so big that he needed to do laundry. Sure, he may have done laundry and his fold job may have been a crappy fold job. Or he may have had some dishes sitting in the sink for a little while you know, before he washed them. Or perhaps he washed them in a way where there was still a little bit of crud on the plates, right? But he survived up until the time that he met you. But as you two got together, you started out of two motivations doing things to support him, to love on him. Number one, you did it out of genuine care. You wanted to be able to do something nice for your man. But number two, and this is what happens at an unconscious level, you started doing it out of control. See, most women have observed the important women in their lives being hurt by men. And we come through, if you think about it, hundreds of years, thousands of years of misogynistic patriarchy 
where men didn't have respect for women. I mean, it was only until what the last hundred years, 200 years that maybe less that women were even treated as equal to men. Uh, You could even argue today that that doesn't exist in a lot of environments like the workplace. And so women have always been second class citizens subjugated to the dominance of men. And so it just makes sense that you would have a built in protection mechanism. And as a result of being hurt, there's a belief system at some level of, I need to take care of myself, I don't need men, I can do it on my own. I see this especially in Latin cultures where, and again, I'm not making any judgment, but where culturally, there's a significant group of that second group of men, the men who seem like the romantic, the men who seem like they're gonna take care of their woman, but they're actually just playing a game and they're being very cunning about the way they're approaching it And they end up manipulating women and breaking their hearts. Again, I'm married to a Colombian woman. So this is just a perspective that I've heard right through my Latin family. That's not to say that some version of that doesn't exist in every culture, right? I'm certainly not putting down the Latin culture. But what I do see, therefore, is very strong women, strong women who don't need men who can do things on their own. But this isn't a healthy dynamic to be living in. Over time, it hardens a woman, right? A woman is meant to be soft, to be able to collapse into the arms of her man, to be able to feel protected. It's a natural biological dynamic that exists. So it is built into most women's subconscious to protect themselves. And so as a mechanism of protection, women will control. They'll control their environments. They will control how things are done. They'll control the way that they want to do things. And so what also happened early on in this first stage of development of your relationship is that you started implementing your control plan. So now it happens at an unconscious level, and this isn't a criticism, but you want things done the way that you do them. There's very little regard for the way that he does things or likes to do things. Now, Part of that justification comes out of, well, he doesn't do things the right way, right? The clothes aren't folded the right way. The food isn't cooked the right way. The things are not put back in the places where they quote unquote belong. But just realize that a lot of these things are subjective, okay? And so in this first stage, your man knew how to survive up until the time that you met him. You met him and then you started to take over and implement your strategy within the household. So this is stage one. Stage two is you get tired of having to do all of the things. So he's taken a step back because you've offered to do a variety of things. And now there's a new criteria or curriculum that's been implemented in the household that he never learned. And so he is even less proactive now in helping because you seem like you're okay with it and you have your own particular way of doing things. But over this period of time, there's a resentment that builds. Right? There's a resentment that builds where you're thinking to yourself, why am I the one always having to do this? Why doesn't he help out more? Why doesn't he contribute more? And so you're still willing to do these things, but there's a resentment that slowly starts to build. And as that resentment builds and that anger builds, those things that he is actually still doing, you begin to be critical of. And you'll notice this, you'll start to have just an edge around things and you find yourself angry and there's a justification, which is, well, I'm just tired of having to do everything on my own and he doesn't do anything the right way. 
But as this criticism becomes expressed outwardly at the things that he actually is doing, he'll start to back off even more. And so now there's, I heard Alex Hormozzi talk about one time when kids go out and they come home late and parents ground them for coming home late, what that does is it trains them to not come home. (laughs) And so there's a conditioning that's taking place with your man, right? There's a training that's taking place. And the challenge is that good men will allow this training to happen because number one, they want their woman to be happy. And number two, most good men have their own wounds and traumas that they're working out. So they're lacking self-esteem and self-love. And rather than the relationship building up their self-esteem and their self-confidence and their self-worth, now what happens as a result of this dynamic is that men start to feel like they're not contributing. They see that. They want to step up and help out more. Every time they feel like they do, they feel like they're getting criticized. And now they feel like there's nothing that they do right. And so this begins to create a perpetuative system where now they're backing off even more and even more and even more. And you may see that what happens is your man starts to live in his head. And actually what's going on is he's in an inner argument around wanting to help but not knowing how to help, wanting to do things that'll help motivate you to be less angry and less critical and more loving like you were when you first started out in your relationship, but he doesn't know what to do in order to facilitate that and make that happen, right? So his old ways he can't do anymore, the new ways he hasn't learned, and anytime he tries, he's criticized for not doing it the right way, which causes him to back off again. So this moves into the next stage where your man becomes, for all practical purposes, completely demasculated, completely neutered, where now he's an order taker. And you don't want an order taker. You wanted someone who was going to take control and take charge. But now you've got a man who you started out with, who you loved, who had some semblance of self-esteem and self-worth, but certainly needed to build upon it and work on it. And now he has no self-esteem because he had outsourced his self-approval to you as the woman he loves, which worked out really well in the first few months. And now he's living in his own personal hell where he doesn't feel like he can do anything right. Everything he does, he feel like he's criticized and he still hasn't been able to process his trauma. In fact, he's reliving through the trauma that he experienced as a child when his mother decided everything that he would like, everything that he would do, exactly the way that he would do everything or his father or mother told him that he wasn't good enough. Now, none of this is an excuse for your man, right? This is a 50% job. This conversation today is about the 50% that women have under their control in order to help recalibrate and recorrect the dynamic of the relationship. And the challenge is that if you're not aware that this is actually what's happened over time, then you just become lost in the anger, you become lost in the criticism, and the cycle simply perpetuates itself. And I'm going to record another video if you're interested in your or another episode. If you're watching on YouTube and you comment below and say you're interested, I will record the other 50% of this video, which is what men need to do, right? What their responsibility is in all of this. But women, the good news is, is that there's actually something that you can do in order to course correct this dynamic so that you can help build up the confidence of your man and help him elevate into the king that he is actually meant to be. And I'm going to share with you that process right now. Okay. So step one 
is encourage your man to listen to this episode. That way he can start to have an awareness of what's actually happened. He doesn't feel broken. It's not going to contribute to his continually feeling like there's something wrong with him or that he's not good enough or that he doesn't do anything right. It's important to understand that this is just a dynamic. And this dynamic, as it's been built up, can also be unwound. And a big part of that is taking off this top layer of pressure both on you, again, we'll talk about that in the next episode when you listen to the episode for men, but also for your man so that he's no longer feeling like there's actually something wrong with him. By the way, to be very, very clear, men, this is not an episode that you send to your woman to say, hey, see, this is actually what happened and why I'm not showing up as the man I'm capable of, okay? Women, you can send this episode to your man. That's fine. Men, bad idea, okay? Number two, stop criticizing him and acknowledge him. So there are a lot of things that he's doing on a daily basis that could and should, frankly, be acknowledged. But because the, there's a part of the brain called the reticular activating system that only pays attention to a small sliver of your experience throughout the day, you're overemphasizing those things that he's not doing and the burden that it's putting on you. I'm not suggesting that's not real. That's why I recorded this episode, because it is real, and it pains me to see good people, good women and good men in relationships where there's a lot of struggle and a lot of challenge. And oftentimes where those relationships end up becoming separations rather than transformative vehicles for each individual's growth. That's why I'm recording this episode. But what I am suggesting is that as a result of this overemphasis on what he's not doing or how he's doing things wrong, there's an inappropriate lack of attention on what he is doing well. So on one hand, stop criticizing, just realize, and that's why I'm sharing this with you, that he doesn't know how to do those things in the way that you do them and that he's actually stepped back because he feels like he can't do anything right. So stop criticizing and start acknowledging, okay? Start acknowledging the things that he is doing. The next thing, ask for help. So ask for help. Be okay at the initial stages asking for help. If you have an attitude of like, well, I shouldn't have to ask for help, you're never going to make any progress. You'll get to a place where you don't have to ask for help if you're willing to ask for help. Now, you may say, but I ask for help all the time. Okay, but realize there's a pattern there. Think about the energy that you're bringing to asking for help. Are you asking for help out of frustration? Are you asking for help out of the perception that you're not being helped and you have to do everything on your own? You know, the energy that you bring to a situation is everything. Are you asking from a loving place? Are you using kind words? Is it loving energy? Ask for help and then tell him exactly what needs to be done and how you would like it to be done. So give him instructions at the beginning. Okay. One of the things, for example, I realized in my own relationship was I want to be able to help out more with some of the daily chores around the baby. He's 18 months old right now. My wife's doing the laundry, but why shouldn't I know how to do the laundry? Well, the reason why I don't offer to do the laundry is because I know she has a particular framework or methodology for how she likes to do the laundry and I don't want to mess it up. Well, okay, fine. So then it's my responsibility to go and learn her methodology if I want to contribute that way and to not have an arrogance, which is, well, why does it have to be her way? So I'm proactively now going to my wife in areas where I think I can be of greater contribution. I'm realizing that my insecurity is that I don't know how. And I'm saying, hey, could you actually show me exactly how you do this? 
Okay. Now, this will be part of the instructions for men in a future episode. But women, you can be proactive around this. Ask for help. Ask from a loving place. Tell him exactly what you need and how you'd like it to be done. Okay. Now, here's what's really important. If at the early stages, either he doesn't do it because he forgets, because he's conditioned himself as a habit of being in his head and not really listening to you and using distraction mechanisms to cope with the pain that he's in right now of not having self-esteem and self-confidence and self-worth. Or if he does the thing, but he doesn't do it exactly the way that you want it, don't get mad. So on both sides of the equation, if you're going to bridge the gap and reestablish this loving relationship, there's going to have to be tolerance and patience and leading with love and kindness and understanding of how we got to this place. So you can't get mad. You come back and you say, hey, do you have a minute? Hey, I had asked you if you could help me with this thing. It's okay that you didn't, but I just want to understand what happened that it didn't get done. Okay? So, or hey, I had asked you to do this and I think it's fantastic the way that you did it. There are a couple of things I'd ask for next time, but I really want you to know how much I appreciate you helping with this. Would it be okay if I shared that with you? Right? This is how we'd have a conversation in a loving way. In fact, this is how we'd have a conversation with our own children. We would never talk to our husband or our wife, hopefully and ideally, like we would talk to our children. And again, you could have a reaction which is, well, why do I have to talk to my husband with my kid gloves on? Well, because it's called love. And you're in the process right now of helping him to rebuild his self-confidence. And this is a great way to do it. So there's going to be some short-term sacrifice for some long-term gain. Having the man that you love who's a good man, who's also a protector and a king for you. The next thing you could do is acknowledge your role in all of this. You could even reference the podcast and again, share it and have your husband listen to it or watch the episode on YouTube and say, hey, I acknowledge that I've been a part of this process and then cast the vision. The vision I have is a vision where you're self-confident, where you feel good about yourself, where you're decisive, where you're bold, where you're contributing more in the family. I'm not criticizing your level of contribution right now and I'm going to do what I can do on my end to support that, which consists of these things that we're talking about being clear where I need help, doing my best not to get angry when you don't do it, asking you what happened and how come you forgot to do it so that I can better understand and so that you can better understand, allowing you to do it your way as we course calibrate to the ways that I would like it to be done. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time out. Acknowledge your role and then cast a vision for what the relationship and the dynamic can look like. The next thing is be patient. As I mentioned before, a good man needs time. So some of these habits have been built up over months, years, decades, not only in the context of your relationship together, but from when he was a child. I remember my mother, every time I started stepping out as a child and exerting my own desires, my mother would say to me, oh, you don't want that, you want this. And so I had a mother who took away my sovereignty in terms of preference and decision-making and So as a result of that, I outsourced my decision-making process to lots of people throughout the course of my life, including my wife, as we got together in our relationship. And so part of my own journey has been reclaiming my own self-confidence, reclaiming my boldness, reclaiming my personal sovereignty, and realize that what's happening right now is you and your man are playing out the same dynamics that he had with his mom. 
And so that's why you're oftentimes feeling like I'm his mom. <laughs> it's like, yes, you are. And so you have to actually be different than the way his mom was too. You have to be able to allow him to develop his sense of preference while also expressing what yours is. So it cannot just be your way. And the beautiful thing is that when you have a good man and he's starting to build his self-worth, he'll want to do it your way anyway, but it's a bit paradoxical, right? In order for him to do it the way that you would like things done, you have to be okay with it not being done that way. And then lastly, one of my promises for this episode was to let you know if you don't have a man who's capable of being confident, of being bold, of being the man's man, of being your king. And that is if he's not trying, then he's not the one. There is a fourth category of man, and that is a man who is not a player, is not a chauvin. He's also not a man's man by nature. He's also not a good man who's capable of elevating into a man's man. He's just a weak man, and that's a possibility too. A good man cares, but a good man needs time, and a good man will try. And he may not try every day because he's still in an old habit, but he'll continue to improve, and you'll see that. And if you've got a good man then my recommendation is you hang on to him for life and you do the work that you can do in order to help improve the dynamic of your relationship to support him and elevating him into who he actually is and who he's meant to be. And again, as I mentioned before, if you love this episode and you'd like me to record an episode where I talk about what men need to do in order to elevate the woman into the place that she deserves to be, feeling protected, feeling loved, feeling taken care of, all you need to do is comment below. So I hope you got value out of this episode. I know it can feel really, really confusing when you're in the throes of a suffering state in your relationship and you've built up sort of this perpetual cycle and dynamic that feels like there's no way out. But the good news is, is there is a way out. And first it comes through just understanding what's going on, understanding the dynamic, and then two, having a simple tool set and a framework and a communication agreement in order to improve and grow together. I love you. Hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you on the next one. Hey, it's David. One more thing. If you want to go even deeper on everything we've talked about on today's episode, don't forget to jump over to www.davidbear.com. You can find the link in the show notes and subscribe to our newsletter. A couple of times a week, I'm going to be sending you the latest episodes that we've released along with additional free trainings. You'll get immediate access to my free MindHack ebook and go even deeper into all the tools, the technologies, and the frameworks that have helped tens of thousands of people establish a changed mind. Don't forget to jump on over to the site, and I will see you in the next episode.